0: And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And producer Maria is still MIA. MIA. Where in the world is she? Melissa, who are our patrons for today?
1: We've got Jeff, Corey, Lindsay, Natalie and Trish.
0: Welcome to the team guys. I'm under the weather right now so I'm not going to be recording anything today but my Bigfoot erotica <laughs> book finally came and uh, I have I have a Girl Scout uniform <laughs> and I have a backdrop and just just you wait for what you have in store can't
1: for you. wait.
0: So, welcome to the team. Now, also, I want to make a quick correction. Our Quantum Immortality episode was actually recommended by Jenna, aka Thickums. I made right. uh, I made one of the biggest mistakes of my life. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and we need to make that correction. Quantum I Immortality. I thought it was I
1: thought it was James too. We had I James
0: didn't. on the brain, and uh no, now we have Thickums on the brain now. Anyways, Melissa, who is this episode about?
1: Well, what's funny is when I Google imaged this person, I was like, oh shit, Allie's gonna
0: think he's hot. Oh my god, really? That's the first thing I said it when you said the dog.
1: I said oh, Hotty alert. A hottie alert. And I was like, oh
0: god. Uh oh, here I go again.
1: This is it's an episode that's been recommended by so many people. And it's like been on my list for a while. I'd, I don't really know anything about him. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, God.
0: It has been on our list, list, list for a while. Because when you sent it, I was like, have we already done this episode? I know. We've been talking about him for a long time.
1: It's Israel Keys. Mm. He is one of the most calculated serial killers the FBI has ever encountered.
0: And he has the keys to my heart. Hubba yes, hubba.
1: he does. A He was also a bank robber. A burglar, an arsonist, a kidnapper, a rapist, and a necrophile Uh-oh. who murdered a minimum of three victims across the United States from nineteen ninety-six to February twenty twelve.
0: Hey, nobody's perfect.
1: <laughs> He's an what did you who did you say was an egot? Oh god. <laughs> Was it, was it the guy that escaped prison?
0: <laughs> yes, I think that that's who it was. Who crab walked out of prison. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> this guy's an EGOT of serial yeah. killers. Uh, what's the deal with this dude? Let's get into Let's it. Let's get into it. So there's there's so many documentaries and stuff about him, but the ones I watched, there's this one on oxygen called Method of a Serial Killer that's really mm. interesting. And then there's an article in CriminalWordWorlds.net that had a lot of good info. This is a very strange serial killer case because he planned ahead to cover his tracks. Oh, that's, that's weird. But he chose his victims at random. For example, in one case, he flew from Alaska to Chicago, rented a car, drove a thousand miles to Vermont before he picked his victims at random, used a kill kit Uh-oh. he had hidden in the area years prior. Oh, that's
0: crazy. That's wild. He would go
1: around the world, well, the US, and he would have these kill kits that he would put in spot like uh, underneath a rock formation that he found or like buried in the forest somewhere.
0: To just have it ready for when he finally ended up there. Oh, that's scary. In these kill
1: kits, they had materials to dispose of bodies like Drano and Lye. He had weapons and then money he would put in there that he got through bank robberies. Oh, God. He usually killed far away from home, never in the same area twice, and on his murder trips, he kept his cell phone turned off and he only paid for items with cash. Mm. And he had no connection to any of these victims. They were all truly random. Oh, God. Which is so crazy. And all the details of his murders are still unknown, and authorities are still investigating them to this day. Oh, scary. Yeah. So this dude was born January 7th, 1978, to a large Mormon family in Utah, Mm-mm. the second of 10 children. They were all homeschooled. Oh, God. Then when he was between three and four years old, his family deconverted from Mormonism and began practicing at a radical fundamental Christian faith church that Israel described as more of like a militia type of church. So not like, sound hardcore. any better. Yeah. Yeah. And the family attended at least two church churches, the Ark and the Christian Israel Covenant Church that taught Christian identity, which is an ideology that's known to be anti-Semitic and racist.
0: Yeah, the words Christian identity don't
1: sound that inclusive. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he, around the time of this conversion, he and his family moved to Colville, Washington, where they lived an Amish lifestyle. Oh, God. They lived, like, in the woods, in this one-room cabin that his dad built. And they had no running water or electricity. They were, like, like living in the jungle. Yeah, crazy. Jesus.
0: This is, like, Unabomber shit.
1: Yeah, very Unabomber shit. So it was there that they became family friends with the Chevy Kehoe's family, who coincidentally committed three murders in 1996 oh god so kind of uh, coincidence? <laughs> i don't it, this know it seems
0: like it was like learned behavior yeah. to be honest like i kind of i don't feel bad for him uh but it seems like this is a lot of weird childhood learned behavior stuff yeah
1: if you're like very isolated in the woods and you have like no socialization and your
0: only neighbors are murderers like <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: uh not a good upbringing <laughs> yeah So by his teenage years, Israel was not really into Christianity anymore and he became interested in Satanism. Mm,
0: Yeah, the two genders, Christianity and Satanism.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was like the 80s, I think. Yeah, Yeah. makes sense. So he was very secluded from the outside world. They lived in a forest, no socialization with people other than his own brothers and sisters and like maybe Mm. a few friends. And then in an interview, he said he had disturbing thoughts as a kid. He thought... That these thoughts were normal. He's like, there's a ton of interview with uh, interviews with him oh in God. prison. He would say like, I had these crazy thoughts, but like I just thought everyone else had these crazy thoughts. I thought they're normal. And that they're normal. So one day, oh no. he got a cat and he oh tied God. a rope around its head, hung it from a tree, and then he shot it. Okay, I hate him now. And he thought it was hilarious. Uh, nope. And then another kid he was with started vomiting because it was so disturbing. Yeah. But Israel just laughed. He was like, what? He's like, that's hilarious. Why is that kid vomiting? Like, he didn't understand. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's never a good sign when kids fuck with animals. That's like the first. Yeah, I no, that's know. like a serial. That's a serial killer indicator. That's what they
0: always say. That's on the like TV shows. What was that
1: show? Mindhunter? Yeah. Where that guy's kid, like, he yes. killed another kid or something. and He's like, off. Oh, Fuck, I have a serial killer Yeah, he's a serial killer kid. Yeah. So at some point Israel was disowned by his father, couldn't see his mom for an extended period of time. So he didn't have really good relationships with his parents because he was at one point an atheist. Mm. He joined the military, he had questionable choices in women. Me. <laughs> loose women. <laughs> yeah, he like loose <laughs> loose women. <laughs> so then when he was 20 he joined the army and he served for about two years god these serial killers are always in like
0: the army or the or the or police They're obsessed or,
1: with being having authority or, authority like,
0: and like control and stuff it's really yeah
1: he got a couple military awards and he was discharged at the rank of a specialist uh his former friend said he was like quiet and reserved but that he drank a shit ton on the weekends and he was super into insane clown posse.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Red was flag. Was he in
1: high school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melissa. They're from Detroit. <laughs> They're a Michigan classic. Uh, when he was in Egypt, he was teased about his Amish upbringing and his army friends branded a pentagram on him while they were all drinking. Cool. interesting. I wonder if he liked that or not, though. Probably, because he was, like, super into Satanism. Yeah, Satanism, yeah. So then, in December of 2000, he met his future wife through a phone chat line. Interesting. Which I, and that, that was in 2000, I guess it's just...
0: I'm surprised is that, that those still existed. I mean, I remember them from yeah. the 90s, like... Call us now. Talk. Yeah, talk I wonder to if that's what it woman. was. Yeah, I mean that has to be what it is.
1: And they began dating, and with two months, within two months, she got pregnant, and she already had another child from a prior relationship. Oh man! And then initially, Israel didn't want to keep the baby, but then they decided to keep it. Mm. Hashtag woman's right to choose. Yeah, woman's <laughs> right to choose. <laughs> and then they moved to Nia Bay, Washington. So he could support her since she wasn't working at the time. Hmm. Great, good dad. Yeah, good he's dad. A great dad. <laughs> and then he eventually got a job at the Nia Bay Tribes Park and Recreation. Like everyone said, hmm. he was a great coworker. He had God. really great carpentry and mechanic skills, and he had a friend who also loved the NFL. They were obsessed with the NFL. Okay. They would hang out, drink, have barbecues. Just boys being boys. Just boys being boys. This coworker also said Israel branded an A on his chest, like the anarchist A with a coat hanger and a propane torch. <laughs> uh I'd be like, This Just night real. has gone awry. It's time to Just a little call wacky. It. Just <laughs> it's boys real. being boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh he got engaged to his girlfriend. And his fiance noted that he was very tight with money, but he wasn't the jealous type. And she said, I couldn't find where this quote came from, but it said he watched normal pornography and had no unusual fetishes and he was never violent. Well, I think he's probably
0: that way with her so he could have a cover, you know? Like, obviously, he had a lot of violent and unusual tendencies that he had to take out other places yeah i mean i feel like almost all serial killers were married and had very normal lives and then had this insane the night
1: the east area rape at the night stalker guy ted bundy who they, just, who they just caught who had like a whole family was yeah. like a great dad it's crazy yeah i mean it's like so he's crazy yeah it could be your spouse you Watch out. know Watch out. Uh, so then Israel broke up with his girlfriend, his baby mama. He moved into his own house, but they still continued to see each other. And then he got another girlfriend, moved to Anchorage, Alaska. Alaska. Uh huh. And then his girlfriend eventually moved back up there with him. He started a construction business.
0: Always construction, always construction.
1: Yeah, so they can bury the bodies. Yes. He's reported to have a great relationship with his daughter. <laughs> a coworker said he was very protective of his daughter, so much so that he said the way that he knew Israel trusted him was that Israel had let him drive his daughter to the airport one time. So he's like totally trusted him around his kids. Well, he's probably
0: super protective of his daughter because he knows yeah. that there's crazy serial killers out there who prey on women. Like, he-
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly why. Uh, he would often do his daughter's hair, put her, her hair in pigtails or French braid. <laughs> so weird. So weird. That comes into play later. Oh, God. Now let's get to Samantha Koenig. So, on February 1st, 2012, Samantha Koenig was working alone at the Common Grounds coffee stand in Anchorage, Alaska, At approximately 10 o'clock, Israel parked his truck across the road in a Home Depot parking lot, walked over to the coffee stand, and threatened Samantha with a gun. Oh. He then climbed through the window, robbed the coffee stand, and led Samantha out of the small building... And binded her hands with zip ties. Oh Jesus. She managed to escape. And then while on Tudor Road, where Israel had to chase her and tackle her, held a gun to her side and got her inside his car. Oh, my God. And at 1030, Samantha's boyfriend arrived to the coffee stand to pick her up from work. But the coffee stand seemed to be closed. There's no sign of Samantha. The lights were off. The stand was locked up for the night, and her boyfriend tried to text and call her, and had no response. And Samantha's boss was out of state, so he checked the security system, and he saw that Samantha had been abducted.
0: Oh, my God. It shows
1: her, like, putting her hands up and giving Israel the money out of the register. Then he climbs through the window and takes her away at gunpoint. Do the you remember
0: we had a caller once in a mailbag who said oh, that she right. was working at, like, a coffee stand or something in Vegas, I think it was, or some party pool, Or something and that that guy tried to abduct her or steal the money and like she had to call the cops and it took forever for the cops to come or it was super crazy. That coffee
1: stand. Yeah. Crazy. Coffee stands are dangerous.
0: Yes. Everything is dangerous is the moral. Except for the
1: drive through Starbucks. Yes. Uh, So
0: then
1: at 1124 PM, Samantha's boyfriend got a text from her phone that said, f you asshole i know what you did i'm going to spend a couple days with friends need time to think plan acting weird let my dad know and so he was like based on the way the text written with like spelling errors yeah like samantha's boyfriend did not think that she wrote this text for sure what the fuck and then 11:53, he got another text that only said f you (laughs) <laughs> he tried texting and calling back, but didn't get a response. He's like, oh uh, this <laughs> yeah, is not Samantha. This is not Samantha. So at that 3 a.m. that night, Samantha's boyfriend saw a dude who turned out to be Israel oh God. outside of his house going through him and Samantha's car with a mask on. Oh, fuck. But he didn't put two and two together. He thought it was unrelated. He's like, why is a guy breaking into my car? Huh? That's weird. And then he realized that stolen from the car was Samantha's driver's license his and all their credit cards. Fuck. So then a half hour later, Israel attempted to withdraw money from an ATM uh, from, like, Samantha and her boyfriend's accounts. Jesus. So then he Israel drove around with Samantha in his truck for a couple hours, and he stopped at a local Anchorage park to tie Samantha to a bench in his truck— Then he brought her to a shed in front of his garage at his own house that he had set up for two days before. Oh, my God. And he put down a tarp, a foam mat, a sleeping bag, two space heaters, and a radio. Weird. So once he got Samantha into the shed, he tied her with zip ties and rope, sexually assaulted her. Then he murdered her by strangling her and stabbing her.
0: Oh, God.
1: Wrapped her in the tarp, placed her inside of a cabinet that was inside the shed. Jesus Christ. And then just went back inside his house, took a shower, and then got his daughter ready for their flight from Alaska to Houston. (laughs) Oh, my God. Was like, hey, time to go. That's so terrifying. Yeah, he called the cab, and then he purchased a rental vehicle in Texas, drove to Louisiana, and dirt while he was on the road, the Anchorage Police Department was like looking for Samantha. Yeah. So in Louisiana, Israel and' his daughter went to a kid's Mardi Gras before going on a five-day carnival cruise. That sounds fun. I mean, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> and after returning from the cruise, his daughter and him spent uh, time with family in Texas. Just a it's little so mini crazy. McKay. Yeah,
0: he's just like I just raped and murdered and kidnapped someone, and now I'm going to go crazy. on a carnival cruise. Like
1: <laughs> crazy. And then he left home in Texas, and he left a note on the bed saying that he had to fix his windshield and find a place to hide his guns. And then he, his family texted him and said they could bring his guns to someone's house for him, but he did not respond. I guess he. Couldn't fly with his guns back oh, to right. Alaska, and then he was gone. Like his daughter was with his family members, he was kind of gone all day. Hmm. And they he texted his family and was like, "Oh, I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere." And the family's like, "Well, where are you? We'll we'll try to find you and pick you up." Turns out he was robbing a bank. <laughs> oh my god, this guy! My god, he was robbing a bank. And then he on the 16th after he got back to his family's residence in Texas he and then broke into a house stole jewelry lit the house on fire and then just got on his got on a plane with his daughter and flew back to Alaska <laughs>
0: Let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to bonus episodes, shout-outs, merchandise discounts, and other rewards. Please go to patreon.com webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become a patron. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we will shout you out. Also, Ereus has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-626. It has really been popping off And please continue to call us And we will play them on our We will play your voicemails We will play your voicemails On our mini mailbag
4: episodes Many of us have those stubborn pounds That seem impossible to lose No matter how good we eat Or how hard we work out My solution is plush care To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC.
0: Now, back to our scheduled program. (laughs) Guys, I'm I'm struggling and I am trying. I currently have like a 100 degree fever.
1: While he was flying back to Alaska, Samantha's father, they had like already been organizing this big search for her. He was posting on Facebook looking for her. He told the public that he would give all of the raised money, no questions asked, to the kidnapper for Samantha's return. He posted on Facebook, "Whoever has my daughter, just bring her anywhere to a hospital. Send her in a cab home anonymously, and I will leave all the money we have collected in a certain place of your choosing within minutes of your instructions. Just return her to me." Hmm. It's which is sad because, like, she's already dead. You know? Yeah, he has no idea. So, back at Israel's shed, he removed Samantha's body from the cabinet and used a hair, hair a blow dryer to thaw her body because she had froze because she was oh outside my God. in Alaska. He posed her body to make it appear as though she was still alive. And he sewed her eyes open with a fishing line. Oh my God. He styled her hair and used her makeup that was in her purse to make it appear as if she was alive. Oh He then took a photograph of her with a four-day-old copy of the Anchorage newspaper. Jesus. And then he printed out the photo. He used a typewriter to write a ransom note on the back. Oh, my God. And he placed plastic on the floor, dismembered Samantha's body. Jesus. He also braided her hair before he took the photo. Ugh. And then he spent several days disposing her body in Matanuska Lake. It was a frozen lake, so he had to go out there and like cut a hole in the ice. Jesus Christ. Dump her body in there. Oh, God. And what's crazy is that in this inner, the police interview after he got caught, he told cops that while he was out there, he also caught some fish and brought it home for him and his daughter to eat.
0: Oh, my God. That is
1: so disgusting. Like, that is so gross. First? That is so disgusting. I don't think so. I think he dumped the body first and then was fishing. That is disgusting. Psychotic. Like in these interviews it's so crazy cuz he's so like nonchalant about all this. He's like, "Yeah, then I got some fish and I fed my daughter." Ugh. It's so crazy. His interviews are nuts. That is so gross. So after disposing of her body, he removed the cabinets and the flooring to get rid of all, like, blood evidence. He replaced the floor. He burned her clothes and her purse. And then on February 23rd, this is, like, 10 days after, he again texted Samantha's boyfriend from Samantha's phone and gave him instructions on how to find this ransom note because he hid this ransom note with a picture of her in the newspaper. Oh, wow. And then Samantha's boyfriend called the police, and they found the ransom note, It was at Connors Bog Park in Anchorage under a missing dog flyer, and the ransom demanded $30,000, and it said that in exchange for the ransom, the boyfriend would receive a text that gave the location of a packet of information that would give law enforcement all the information they needed to know how to find Samantha. It was like a little treasure hunt. And the note also included her boyfriend's debit card number, and the note read, it said, I may not use the card much in Alaska due to small pop. But as I will be leaving soon, I will be using it all over. And she almost got away twice—once on Tudor Road and once in the desert. Must be losing my touch. Oh my God! Why would you say that in a yeah? What? So then, Samantha's father deposited five thousand dollars into the account that he had uh, that he wrote on the note. And then that night, Israel tried to withdraw the ransom money wearing a face mask, but he could only withdraw $500 at a time. ATM limits. (laughs) (laughs) And then a week later, Israel and his daughter flew to Las Vegas oh that's my where Ali just was you know
0: what's so weird is i was about to say something about las vegas when you said the atm thing is that if you use an atm in a casino they charge you like eight dollars oh yeah. atm fee it was so crazy
1: yeah because they can get away with it because yeah you got gamblers like i need money yeah now. i need the money need yeah it. so wild yeah So, he went to Vegas, rented a white Ford Focus at the airport, and drove south to go to his sister's wedding in Texas. On the drive, he used Samantha's boyfriend's debit card in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, so they could see on a map where he was going.
0: Did you not realize this is all tracked? Like, this can all be tracked?
1: Yeah, it seems really stupid. So, then he got to his mother's house... Uh, But the cops knew what type of vehicle he was in because they saw all the surveillance footage. So they were like on the hunt for him. Then on March 13th, 2012, the Texas Highway Patrol located a vehicle matching the description of his rental vehicle at a Quality Inn & Suites parking lot in Lufkin, Texas. Uh Uh-oh. And it was the only hotel near the last place he tried to use Samantha's boyfriend's debit card. And so the authorities went to the front desk and, like, asked for a list of people who were staying there. He saw the car, the white Ford Focus, and he also noticed pink clothing that he assumed was a woman's belongings. So then they surveilled this vehicle. And within 15 minutes, Israel exited room 215 and put the items in the rentals trunk. And then the police saw that room 215 was registered to an Elijah keys. He didn't even... You gotta use, change your, your last name. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't even use, like, a full alias. Stupid. And then the police pulled him over under the suspicion of using fraudulent uh, debit cards. Because mm-hmm. they couldn't really get him on murder because they didn't really have any evidence right. yet. So they could take him in over, like, fraudulent yeah. ATM uses. They had him in, like, the police questioning area. He was, like, agitated and nervous. He was sweating. And then he stated that if, if he was going to be kept much longer, he wanted to call his brother who had his daughter in another car. So they let him call his brother and they searched his car and they found Samantha's boyfriend's debit card. So they found like evidence. That yeah. He yeah. Killed her. So they kept him over the next few weeks. They interviewed him like every day. And there's like videos of this. That's online. so scary. It's crazy. So after four days... He admitted to using the card, but claimed that an unknown person had left a bag which contained Samantha's cell phone and her boyfriend's debit card in the bed of his truck while it was parked in the driveway. Yeah, an unknown person. Obviously, that's not true. But then he began admitting his crimes. And a lot of what he has been told has been confirmed. But like, despite this, he was very careful about what he said so he could use information to his benefit. It was Hmm. very calculated. He would often ask for cigars, Snickers bars, and an Americano. He's like, I'll tell you about two more bodies if I get a cigar, (laughs) Snickers bar, and Americano. Okay. (laughs) An even trade. So he is suspected to have burglarized over 30 homes in the United States, including one confirmed in Texas that he lit on fire. Mm. Uh, There was a bank robbery in Texas the same day as another burglary. Uh, he, there was another bank robbery in Tupper Lake, New York in 2009. Uh, and the authorities believe that there are more kill kits hidden around the country. Oh my God. That's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, his first known violent crime is thought to have occurred in 1997 where he abducted and raped an unknown female near Maupin, Oregon. Jesus. So in the summer of 97 or 98, He allegedly sexually assaulted a teenage girl who had been tubing with her friends down the Deschutes River. Although this was not his first sexual assault, he admitted that he stalked her from a tree line before very violently sexually assaulting the girl, who he estimated to be between 14 and 18 years of age by knife point. He said he was originally planning to murder her as part of a satanic ritual, but then he let her go in the river tube that he took her from. Fuck. Weird. Yeah. And then there's the murder of Bill and Lorraine Courier. So in 2011, Israel flew from Anchorage to Chicago and he rented a car in De Plain, Illinois, which he drove all the way to Vermont. Hmm. There he retrieved a kill kit he had hidden two years prior and then he just looked for people to kill. That's so scary. So, some items in his little kill kit were pre-made ligatures, a propane camp stove, several bottles of water, duct tape, and latex gloves. Oh, God. In this interview, he claimed he loved the idea of hidden treasure as a kid, and he decided to create his own hidden treasures by burying these kits around the country. Oh, my God. That's so scary. That's so fucking weird. So, this allowed him to fly anywhere. He didn't have to bring any weapons on his flight. God. He's Which a, is like kind uh, of a smart idea, <laughs> but the ability to delay gratification, where these kits would go unused for over years, was very atypical of a serial killer. Yeah, like you don't normally see that kind of patience. So that's why the cops were like, "This is fucking weird." Yeah, that the he whole would thing like is plan weird. these in, in advance. So Bill and Lorraine were a middle-aged couple who lived in Burlington, Vermont, on June eighth, twenty eleven. Israel broke into their house. He targeted them because the house looked like it was easy to break into. Hmm. They had no kids or dogs. He cut the phone line in case it was connected to an alarm system. And he waited till dark until everyone went to sleep. He bound them, put them in their own car before bringing them to an abandoned farmhouse that he scoped out the day before. Oh, God. Like, he did this. Like, he just flew to Vermont and was like, Time uh, to tell somebody this house. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So he brought Bill to the basement, shot him in the head. God. And he sexually assaulted and strangled Lorraine. Their bodies were never located. Although the farmhouse where he said they would have been was demolished. So they searched through landfills for months looking for the bodies, but they were never found. So after the murders, he relocated his kill kit to Parrishville, New York, where the police found it after he confessed to where that kill kit was. Wow. But several more are thought to still exist. Terrifying. It's one in your backyard. Yeah, (laughs) seriously.
0: Dolly's going to dig it up.
1: Oh, no, it's going to dig it up. Yeah. Like ropes. Uh, And he wanted the death penalty. And he wanted to not be tried for any other crimes besides Samantha's. And he wanted to keep his name out of the media... To protect his daughter, he was like obsessed with like or the having the police not tell them. He's like, I'll confess to more if you keep my name private, because I don't yes. want my daughter to know. Like, what do you?
0: Maybe don't kill people then. Maybe
1: don't kill people. Yeah, if you no, don't there's want nothing for your daughter to know. To know. He was, like, weirdly obsessed with, like, protecting his daughter. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's good, but uh, But you should
0: not have killed people.
1: And so Wednesday, May 23rd, 2012, he attempted to escape during a routine hearing. He used wood shavings from a pencil to pick his cuffs. That works? Wow. Apparently. But before he could confess to everything, he committed suicide just two days after telling investigators that he was becoming impatient with the process, and that he was displeased about information being leaked to the media directly after he confessed it to them. Hmm. So he was able to hide a razor blade in his cell. Oh, God. He died by suicide on December 2nd, 2012. He cut his wrist and attempted to strangle himself. Oh, gosh. But there was a suicide note found under his body. Oh, no. Which consisted of an ode to murder. Oh. But it had no real clues about any other possible victims. And in 2020, the FBI released the drawings, and it was 11 skulls and one pentagram, which had been drawn in blood, and they were found underneath his jail cell bed after his suicide. Oh, God. One of the drawings included the phrase, we are one, written at the bottom. And the FBI believes that the number of skulls correlates with what are believed to be the total number of his victims. Oh, I was thinking like multiple personalities, but that makes more sense. Oh, Oh, scary. In his interview, they asked him, like, when did you start having these thoughts? And he's like, well, I became two different people 14 years ago. And they were like, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know. I just became a different person. I wonder if that does. Because they only have Samantha and then the married couple are the only three that he admitted to. Yeah, because like the
0: we are one thing makes me think of like, okay, it's like... Yeah. It's creepy. Have you ever seen the movie Identity with um... Fuck, who's the guy? Colin Firth. (laughs) No. John Cusack. Mm, No. It's a good movie. I won't give too much
1: away, but is it mo- a multiple personality thing?
0: Uh, well, I already gave it away by saying that.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's 2003. It's 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, if
0: you haven't seen it by now, but it's a multiple personality movie. Uh, um, right, it's like really s-
1: split. <laughs> yeah, it's really
0: yeah, it's really good. Um, but it's kind of like an interesting kind of like the same premise. Um, Wow, that's that's, weird. that's crazy. Um, yeah. Wow, what an interesting uh, serial killer, not like many other serial killers that we yeah, have. Yeah, it's
1: weird because when you watch his interview, he doesn't come off as like a psychopath. Like they asked him, when they were talking about like the couple, they asked him like, well, when you went in the house, like was were they shocked or how did they react? And he was like, well, yeah, they were shocked because they didn't expect someone to come in and murder them. Like, and he was like laughing about it. And I was like, haha, ha, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: this guy. You're like, wait a second. This is the bad like, guy. He was funny. I
1: was like, haha, yeah, yeah. Ha, ha.
0: Yeah, it's what a bizarre and like the kill yeah. kits thing. I've never heard of anything. Yeah, like that that's before. really
1: nuts. Yeah, that's I wonder if that's anyone's totally found any more
0: yeah or if there's anyone trying to look for them or anything like that um
1: yeah.
0: if anyone knows anything more about israel keys or these kill kits or any like similar stories to this melissa where can people reach
1: us you can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail at com.
0: all right well i am ali siegel i am melissa stettin And Maria is not in Alaska, thankfully. All right. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye.